Welcome everyone to the Apex Sunday podcast where myself, Robert Ross and John Dowsett talk about Formula One news and events and races. And this year, this week we're talking about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And John, before we talk about what I consider basically a farce of a race, I don't know about you, let's talk about the passing of Frank Williams. Tragic. It, yeah. Well, it's not tragic. He lived a long, I mean, long, long, incredible life. He did. Um, and it's the end of the garagista, what Enzo called the garagista. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah, it's sad that, it's, that that's the end of an era. Um, but what a, what a huge legacy. Yeah, I first got into Formula One in 1992 with the, uh, the Grand Prix of Spa, which Schumacher won his first victory over Mansell. And uh, I learned about Formula One that year. And what struck me about Williams at that time, at least, they had the active suspension, the Renault engine, the semi-automatic gearbox or whatever it was. You know, they had all these innovations at the time. And... They were just way ahead of almost everyone else for the most part. And uh, Mercedes of the day, right? Yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. Yes. But at that Even time, more so. yeah, they struck me as at that time, F1 was a little bit more loose with the rules. So we had V10s, V8s, V12s for engines. And the Renault was a V10, if I remember correctly. And, you know, Patrick Head, Frank Williams, just they really impressed me and they, that became my favorite team at the time. Um, now, not so much. I don't really have too much of a favorite team. I know you're a McLaren guy and Williams, although they have the name, it's, you know, it's not Williams anymore, but I'm glad they're keeping the name. And then I look back into the past with uh, Rosberg uh, winning a championship with them, the PK Mansell days, the Prost with uh, Senna, that was, sorry, Prost with uh, Damon Hill. At Senna very, very briefly at Williams, unfortunately, moved on to, you know, Bottas and who was it? Uh, Maldonado won a race for them. The uh, Bottas and Massa years. And then obviously the stroll with Massa. Now we have Latifi and Russell. But you were into F1 well before me. So you have a bit more perspective on Frank. And you were around when he had his accident, weren't you? Yes. I, I, I think that. His, his ruthlessness is brilliant. And I think he's handed more non-champions championships than anybody else. I don't think Damon Hill is a, uh, I don't think that Jacques Villeneuve, I don't think that we could go on who won championships uh, belonged having the title. And it was because they just had the most dominant car and they were the number one driver for the team. Um yeah, I, guys, a ruthless, ruthless man who came from nothing, and and didn't have money. There are a couple of guys that uh, from my Mosport group mm-hmm. that worked for them. Oh yeah, um, and they were delivering engines to the Canadian Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and when they tried to deliver the engines, which they were Cosworth. Uh, DFVs and they had to deliver the engines to Frank and he didn't have the 250 bucks to pay for the delivery charge of the engines. So he was ready to drive away. <laughs> and, uh, and the driver came running up and, you know, gave Frank grief and handed over the money. The driver paid for the engines. Right. Yeah. But different world back then. Different for world. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, you know, we have McLaren and 
Williams as teams named after their founders. Um, yes. I was wondering, like, does Lawrence Stroll own Aston Martin or the actual car company or a big part of it? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. He's, the, of course, he doesn't own all of it, but he bought a great deal of it. Yes. Right. So we're not mm -hmm. going to have Aston Martin called Stroll anytime soon. Hopefully right? not. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if uh, they'll release a car called the Stroll, but maybe not. But I saw recently you can get a Gucci Xbox for $10,000. Whoa. So I thought maybe Aston Martin will come out with this, the Aston Martin stroller. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's the right color. And that'll be 10,000 bucks as well. <laughs> but anyways, let's move on to the race and we'll start with qualifying. Uh, before before mm -hmm. we do that, uh, um, I, I can't remember the last race that I missed. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I cannot remember the last race that I actually missed. And it had to be pretty epic for me to miss a race in the last 40 years or so. Right. Um, and I seriously considered not watching this race for the first time uh, just because of where it is. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I actually considered not watching it because of human rights, because it's the... the uh, most of the funding for terrorism comes from Saudi. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, I just yeah, had to saw, throw that in. We saw Vettel do his women's event for yes. karting, and uh, Lewis was wearing the uh, rainbow colors on his helmet. So small things. But before, I guess, we go into qualifying, what did you think of the circuit? Like, did you see the layout and how fast it was going to be before? qualifying because I didn't for the first time in a while I was concerned about the safety of the drivers because it's a crazy crazy circuit the the blind corners I don't know it was and you know it kind of proved to be the case that you know the race was chaotic the F2 race was chaotic so close to tragic the F2 race yeah I think mm -hmm. There needs to be some changes and then we have massey coming up well we'll make us some minor changes and some of the drivers are saying we're going straight through these corners anyways just make it a straightaway so we can see up ahead because they're seeing too many of those lights warning about slow traffic ahead and you know if we jump quickly ahead briefly to the lewis max smashing incident where you know they slowed down to let him pass and lewis seemed confused at the time i thought you know, I wasn't thinking about the uh, the DRS line and so forth because, frankly, I thought that the rule was if you let someone pass, you have to let them have two corners subsequent to letting them pass, and then you can pass them. But, you know, Max, after some restarts, just went right by him or right away. So I'm not sure if that's the rule anymore. And, you know, this goes back into all the r rules being confusing. But I thought that Lewis was confused and also wary of like is he slowing down because there's an accident up ahead or something like that i don't i don't, I don't look at it that way but mm -hmm. we're getting way ahead of ourselves you asked about the track i think the track is an abomination and i think it should be taken off the calendar immediately i mm -hmm. i agree it's it's dangerous for qualifying it's just ridiculous there isn't even room for for drivers to get out of the way yeah. we were watching it and and thinking where are you going to go? And you're going to come around this blind corner at full chat 
and mm-hmm. there there might not be anywhere to go. Yeah, uh, just totally ridiculous. I think that um, um, Vito San Marino suggested that um, it was like a go kart track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be great for go karts. It'd be a fun track to race. When I first looked at it, I thought I'd love to drive that, but not in an F one car. Oh my god. <laughs> Qualifying wasn't too bad compared to the race. You know, I thought Aston Martin out was in Q1 was kind of a surprise. They're, they're, they're up and down all the time. And same with the, uh, mm-hmm. the um, Alpines. I mean, Ocon got into ninth and Fernando into 13th, but compared to the last race, other than the results with Ocon, you know, quite a, quite um, a change. And then we had Mazepin mm-hmm. a second behind Schumacher. I mean that's yeah. that's huge at this point in the season when yeah it's not a lot of braking it's not a lot of slow corners where you can lose a lot of time and so forth so have you listened to the radio have you ever listened to Mazepin Mazepin's radio uh, I don't recall when if you listen to his radio when he makes a mistake mm-hmm. or he doesn't make it into as he never does make it into Q2 uh, they're just blowing sunshine up his rear end and saying, you did a great job. You did what you had to do. And all that tells me is, is that Maza, Mazepin is bringing, is funding the team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so let's just pat him on the back and <laughs> say, aren't you doing a great job? Because you're, you're basically putting money in Gene Haas's pocket mm-hmm. is what he's doing. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, Schumacher is, is like you rarely see, and these teams that are at the very back of the grid, it's very sometimes it's very hard to figure out how good or bad the driver is. But in this case, it's obvious. Schumacher is a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> every, every race he's off the back. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had Science go out in Q2. I did expect a lot of spins, but I didn't expect Science to do that. But you know, it's a very difficult circuit. And anybody could have done it on that yes, track. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we had Q3 with Max uh, locking his tires. And then couldn't he have prevented slamming into the wall once no. he'd done that? No, no, I don't think so. I don't really don't think so. I mean, he, 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 he look at those fronts, those front tires start sliding, and you've mm-hmm. got to be so accurate on that track. And how much room for error was there on that corner? How much yeah. runoff is there? Two feet, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so no, and and you know that that run of his in Q three was absolutely brilliant. Yes, until it wasn't, and mm. and and that. But you have to appreciate some, the effort, though, right? Like, why not? Yes and no. You know, initially I was he just jumped up the ladder as far as what I thought of the guy, and then I realized, you know what? Any driver can do that. Any driver that makes it to F1 could do what he did. And what he did was actually quite ridiculous. And yeah, and so look what happened. I you don't see you don't see the top old guys doing that. And right. the, it was the old guys that were the wise, yeah. proven drivers that were further down the grid, other than Lewis, like where did like what you said about Fernando Alonso way back battle way back why they're smart 
they know that they have to get the time in and their car has to be ready for the race. Right. And, and if you want to go over the edge at Monaco, it's a lot, a lot safer to do it at Monaco than it is there. But in a lot yeah. of ways, it's like Monaco at Monza speeds and wow, what a silly, silly track. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So no, I don't respect Max for what he did. And mm -hmm. then we go forward to what happened in the race and it just gets compounded. Right. Let's move on to the race. It being the fastest circuit or one of the fastest circuit on the calendar, the first 16 laps took 40 minutes because of the safety cars. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have too much to say about the race itself because it was dominated by crashes and spins and safety cars and virtual safety cars and that incident with... Uh, Max and Lewis with the let by and Max going off circuit pass two or three times. And, you know, it was just a chaotic, embarrassing race. And I saw a post from the F1 Twitter saying that the Schumacher Villeneuve race, that was the last of the season back in, was it 97? 96 yes. yeah yes. was like a one of the greatest races of all time and i thought no it wasn't it was an embarrassment <laughs> it was terrible i was very disappointed in schumacher just ramming into Villeneuve. i mean we've mm -hmm. seen this before with him and we saw it with senna some argue we saw it with prost no there's always debates but we even talked about this we don't want to see the season end this way and i'll read you a quote from casey stoner who recently uh, went back to the MotoGP paddock and they asked him, you know, what life lessons did you learn from the paddock? And he said, unfortunately, I've probably learned more in a negative way what to expect from people, what people are capable of, let's say. That was my biggest thing because I was always the sort of person that would penalize myself when tarmac runoffs came into the, into the corners, when I ran across because I made a mistake. I let a couple of riders through because, like, I'm sorry, there was gravel there before. And I would have lost a lot of time. I remember my team being angry that I'd lost that time and not gone straight back onto the back of where I was. But I was like, no, I made a big mistake. I need to be kind of penalized for that. Then he says, but seeing what other people were capable of and that they only thought of themselves, especially when you're racing. And I understand you have to think of yourself, but you have to respect your competitors out there. As we've seen it, it's life and death. People do die doing this. And of course, motorcycle racing to this day is a bit more, or probably a lot more dangerous than F1. Absolutely. But, and I think people forget that a little too quickly. So respecting your fellow competitors, I think is a very, very important thing that maybe we've lost a little bit. During my racing days, I learned to never underestimate what humans are capable of when they want something badly. I learned to keep my eyes in the back of my head and on a swivel, and to make sure that I knew where every attack was coming from. And that sums up basically what I now think of Max Verstappen. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was building up to this. I was kind of giving the benefit of the doubt. I was giving Christian Horner even the benefit of the doubt. But to me, Christian Horner is one of these guys who's had surgery to reroute his colon from his behind to his mouth because, you know, you, you can defend your driver, but 
this is just, oh, it's just hard racing. And then, oh my God, what happened? Lewis needs to be banned for a race because his rear, his front tire hit rears Max, Max's rear tire in Silverstone. I mean, it's just, it's just a big mess to me. And I was very disappointed in this race and the circuit. And it's back early next season. Some of the drivers are demanding changes, but I don't know, we might see a few, but not many. So that's basically my take on the race. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd rate the race a, a one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd rate the race a nine in regards to opening my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always sort of thought Max had uh, needed to mature more. Mm-hmm. But what has become very evident that is he, he is being encouraged by Horner yeah. to drive the way he's driving. Yeah. And uh, not only that, he is doing what Schumacher did, which is win at all costs. Schumacher... Mm-hmm. Michael Schumacher, who had who had the the uh, process of I'm going into this corner and I'm going to pass you and if you don't get out of my way I'm just going to hit you yeah and and everybody knew that that was the way he was going to drive and if yeah. I get penalized Schumacher's thinking if I get penalized so be it I've got to get by you to win mm-hmm. and so there you go um, and the only difference is is that Max is not doing it as intelligently and as slyly and as professionally because he got away with it. When Helmut Marco comes out and apologizes for Max brake testing Lewis Hamilton. Oh, he did that. I didn't hear that. It kind of gives it all up, doesn't it? It just throws it all out there. And what, what was it on the telemetry? 2.4 G's. Something like that. Yeah. And, and if you're passing somebody else, Let's think about this for a second. I mean, it's really quite simple. If you have to let somebody buy, um, number one, when I let people buy, I didn't get offline. It's your job to get by me. I might point you through. I might back off ever so slightly, mm-hmm. but I don't want to lose momentum. And yeah. and he shouldn't have wanted to lose momentum. No, what he did was violent and evil and incredibly dangerous yeah like phenomenally dangerous and now you want to talk about all the the nonsense that's going on with lewis and why didn't lewis just pass him well you don't do that in formula one and so he wasn't expecting it Mm -hmm. and yes telemetry showed that hamilton backed off as well as max backing off yeah yeah i I think they were that whole sequence is a mess and lack of communication as well (laughs) you know like keep singing that Led Zeppelin song, communication breakdown. <laughs> you know, it was, people didn't was know horrible. what was happening. Yeah. No. And, you know, there was also, I was a bit surprised that, you know, I heard Lewis was whining a lot more than he usually does. I mean, okay. But that the, uh, when Max was going on about Lewis not being 10 car lengths behind him, I didn't realize that that only applies to the very first formation lap. And after that, it's not applicable anymore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the whining thing is with Lewis because I don't see it. I don't hear him whining. I hear him questioning things, but I don't hear him whining 10 years ago. No, five years ago, he used to whine. Yeah. Uh, But now he, he, not so much. I mean, he's giving valid points. I would just say that it was just a little bit more like he just seemed a little more on edge, edgy this weekend. Or, and rightfully so. Yeah, because of yeah. the stakes and, yeah. and Max and so forth. So, 
so you're giving the you're rating the race a one. Yes. I'm going to rate it a three because of my driver of the race, which would be Ocon. You know, you can go on about, you know, he it was luck and all that, but again, he took advantage of the situation he was in to the maximum, and he just got pipped by one tenth of a second from Bottas at the at the line. So again, you know, these drivers that optimize what they can in their situation always get my respect. And Lewis is really lucky to not have his wing be taken off and have to, to pit and try to win the race. Uh, the championship mm-hmm. might have been over then. So, you know, now we're down to, you know, the next race, e- even on points with Max having one more win. What's your, uh, who's your driver of the race? Um, I, I don't really have one. I, no. I really don't. I, I you know, I, I could pick Bottas. Um, and I and I could pick Ocon uh, as well. But I, but I can't really pick a driver of the race. Right. I guess I should really pick one. And I guess it really should be the same as yours because it was impressive considering what he was able to do in comparison mm-hmm. to what his teammate did. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree with you. I had a hard time with this. Like, because the race is such a chaotic mess, basically a farce is like, who's the driver of the race, you know, but I thought I looked, I thought back on it and I thought Ocon <laughs> did a great job. So, and, and speaking of which, who did they vote driver of the day? It was uh, Max, wasn't it? It was Max. Here's this guy that, that gets 10 seconds of penalty is driving like an absolute, <laughs> driving like a NASCAR driver and they give him driver of the day. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And I'll tell you something. This next race coming up, I don't care who the driver of the day is in my mind. I've never voted for a driver of the day. I've never sent in who I thought my driver of the day should be. But this time I will, and it will be Kimi Raikkonen, just to say right. goodbye to him. Yeah, I'm going to miss Kimi. Yeah, there's a lot uh, less fanfare about Kimi's leaving than usually we get, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of his personality as well, so... It's also what's going on. When was the last time they came into the last race tied? Yeah, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Have yeah. you ever known one? And, no. And they're coming into the last race tied, and you've got a mature, smooth, mature, smooth driver who's very calculated against um, a pit bull. Yeah. Well, Christian Horner has said that he doesn't want to win it by crashes, and Max is a better driver than Lewis, so... We'll see who wins. <laughs> Christian Horner says that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, whatever. I mean, I, I the problem now with whatever Horner says is I can't even listen to it because I know that 99.9% of the time he's doing it just to throw in a, a barb with FIA yeah. Uh, stewards, whoever it may be, to try and get a leg up, and it has nothing to do with what fact or truth is. Yeah, well, so, that's why I said, you know, he's had that surgery because everything that comes out of his mouth belongs in a toilet, basically. So, yeah, you know, not good. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to news. Not too much in news. Uh, Barcelona has renewed their contract. Frank died. That's well, news. Yeah, but we already talked about that. Right. <laughs> and uh, the top three motorsports in the world 
Number one is, as you would expect, is Formula One. Number two, which surprised me, was MotoGP. And number three, which was a big surprise, is World Superbikes. Um, really? Yeah, they're all international uh, racing series. Yeah. I guess that gives them an advantage. But Superbike hasn't been doing too well lately. But this year, we had Top Rack beat Jonathan Ray for the first time in six seasons. So, you know, they have a new winner in Superbikes. It's been six seasons of Jonathan Ray. So maybe it's it picked up because, again, it was... Again, the last race of the season determined the championship. So I was a bit surprised by that. Giovinazzi's to Formula E. That seems to be a popular place for XF1 drivers to go to. And uh, back to the Aston Martin, they've signed chief aerodynamicist Eric Blandin from Mercedes. So they're definitely, you know, building up their team and, uh, Again, we may see the Aston Martin stroller <laughs> you know, coming up in the future. <laughs> uh, we won't be buying it, but uh, you know, people in Monaco and so forth may be buying it. <laughs> Anything in news for you other than Frank? Frank passing away? Uh, no, uh, I'm waiting for an announcement for Porsche, Porsche mm. to, to say that they're but no, that's not going to happen for a couple of years. I, no, there's there's nothing really in the news other than there's a lot of the news that is about to happen. I mean, Kimi leaving and yeah. Formula E uh, seems like a holding tank before they move on to another series. Yeah, they're. I think it's their next year is their last year of their Generation Two car, and then after that's the Generation Three car. So I suspect you know batteries will be longer lasting and and better and that kind of thing, but. You know, it's good that F1 and MotoGP are going to renewable fuel and carbon-free by no 2025 and 2027. Yeah. Because, you know, I agree, like, we need all the solutions, all the possibilities to get off of fossil fuel. So battery technology needs to develop and needs to be more cleaner for mining and so forth. Perhaps the hydrogen engines will come into play and we'll see what F1 in the MotoGP comes up with. These major car companies making the move to do that. You know, they've seen the writing on the wall. They have to do it. And uh, for those who are addicted to the noise of motorsports, the uh, non-electric cars with, you know, clean fuel, I suspect will be very loud as well. So clean fuel is going to, I can't see how clean fuel is not the future. Mm -hmm. The infrastructure is there for it. We already talked about this. And then you've got companies like CLO Waste Management that's that's producing clean fuel from garbage. Right. They're, they're, they're taking telephone poles and styrofoam and and wood chips and whatever and creating clean fuel. Taking yeah, garbage. And, and mm -hmm. in every single instance, whether it's battery power, hydrogen, or these new clean fuels, we have to make sure that they're telling the truth. <laughs> Because there's right. something about blue hydrogen that's apparently been talked about, but people have looked into it and it's just a bunch of nonsense. So, you know, there's always that kind of factor. But uh, yes. so next race, we have Abu Dhabi. It's the uh, showdown. And again, I hope there's no bad crashes that determine the championship. Uh, people talk about the Schumacher-Villeneuve thing. And the thing is that Schumacher Senna. got disqualified for that. 
you know, Senna. Yeah, Senna. But disqualified. The last example was Shuey and uh, Max uh, Yost knows Schumacher well. He was his teammate. I just don't want to see it end badly, but I have a feeling it will. So we'll see. What do you think? Well, that, all they need to do is get Perez to take out Hamilton, right? <laughs> and then Perez gets the penalty and Max wins the championship. Right. Well, hopefully... Uh, or he gets Bottas to take out Max. You know? <laughs> this is not NASCAR. No, I don't agree with any of that stuff. I'm well, clearly I'm joking about it, and I don't, and I don't, I don't have great hope that we w- aren't going to see Max do something absolutely ridiculous, and mm-hmm. then he is definitely not going to be the champion, and might not even be in the charts for the year if he does that. Yeah. The other thing I will say is that Max post race has said, well, why did I get penalized? Cause in Brazil I could do it. And it's like, yeah, you could, because Brazil was a mistake. It was a total oversight and they just let you get away with it. And to me, that's the chief problem is that, you know, some of our listeners have mentioned Charlie Whiting, you know, would he do a better job? And Charlie, we knew who was his name. We saw him occasionally, but he wasn't always in the news. Where Massey is always like, oh, we're doing fine. There's no reason to do this, that. I think it has gone downhill. The policing of the sport. Uh, you can say there's too many rules. That may be the case, but it's just that the rules need to be enforced properly. And again, in MotoGP, mm-hmm. they had this thing, well, you know, you just touch the green. Maybe we don't give them a penalty. They just said, forget it. We got sensors in the green area. The bike touches that, their laps canceled. And and either you come in draconian and you nail everybody on everything, but you can't make this like a figure skating contest yeah. where you've got judges who are saying, nope, he's cool. Yeah. No, and it's 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 gotten dried. They need to find the line. And right now it's just mm-hmm. absurd. And that's yes. why it's so ridiculous. And it's frankly embarrassing for uh, the what I just said, the top motorsport in the world is Formula One and they can't even get their rules clear each each race. So yes. and the drivers are saying they're confused about the rules. That tells a lot, I think. So, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. such a great season in terms of two drivers running for the championship, but it's being spoiled by this kind of nonsense, unfortunately, at least for me. Me too. What wonderful stuff lower down. Um mm-hmm. My initial response is I think Max's super license should be pulled, but it won't be. It won't be. No, but uh, I genuinely don't want him to win the championship anymore. I mean, last race, I was thinking it's okay. You know, he's pretty hard sometimes, maybe we'll smarten up, but this race showed that's not the case whatsoever. So, absolutely. But if he does win, I'll be happy for their crew and all that. But not for Max, not for the top management. <laughs> so if you do like this uh, podcast, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. And John, we'll talk to you next race. Abu Dhabi, look forward to it. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks Rob.